Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by TheRinger.com. And specifically, Kevin O'Connor's draft guide, which I am not... Which specifically may not be Kevin O'Connor's draft guide. It might not be. It depends on what you're asking him. If you you present him... Yeah, if if you don't agree, he will say, that was not me. If you're like, KOC, I noticed you had at one point Mm. RJ Barrett above John Morant. Was that you? And he's like, no, 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 that was the Ringer team. That was Mm -hmm. not me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you're like, KOC, I noticed the draft guide. It looks so sleek. Like the, it's so easy to digest and the write-ups are good and, and nice. He's like, and, I designed He's it. like, yes, yes, I did all the design. That was all <laughs> me. So, um, no, it, it is one of the best things we do on, on the website every year. Uh, and I can say that now and not feel like an asshole. Last year I said it, uh, and, and part of it was because I was writing for it. And, um, it was just, you know, it was my way of saying like, I'm contributing I'm to this great thing. Uh, I'm not even contributing to it this year, and I still think it's really good. So that's how good it is. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gone to another echelon. I'm willing to praise something that I had nothing to do with. That's how you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, go check that out. The, the The NBA draft is coming up quickly. That is why, Tate, we are having our good friend, Ryan Rossillo, on the podcast today. We've been teasing it for three weeks. You did it, Kyle. Congratulations, I it. Kyle. I did it. We had Rosillo. Say it one more time. We are going to yes, have Rosillo in studio, uh, basically just because Rosillo is about to record his own podcast, mm-hmm. and he's like, I-, "I can come in 15 minutes early." We're not that's even the, sure he a- thinks he's on the podcast. He's just going to walk in the studio and chat with Start us for 30 football. minutes. Yeah, he's yeah. going to call. He's going to call Trent Dilfer What's in the middle up, of the podcast. <laughs> Hundred days to football. Let's go. <laughs> when I look at this Oregon State offense, what I see is <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, hold on. Ryan, what about John Morant? Let's talk about him. Uh, no, we're having Rosillo to talk about. And, and the reason beyond Rosillo being just like, you know, one of the greatest at doing this and, and entertaining no matter what he's talking about. Um, uh, he went to the Combine. This is a thing. We're going to talk to him about this. because he used to this host is, the Combine yeah, for ESPN. This is a day. thing with Rosillo every year where he goes to the NBA Draft Combine. And this is why he's like the hardest working man in sports media. Whereas guys like you and I, Tate, we we build a little platform for ourselves. We pat each other on the back. Mm-hmm. We we then go to the beach and we're like, listen, we we got enough Twitter followers. We got the blue check marks. We can kind of coast from here. And we go to the beach. Rosillo builds his following, uh, becomes a titan in the podcasting radio game. <laughs> and what does he do? He still goes to Chicago every year because he wants to scout these guys. He 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 called me the other day and said that he uh was breaking down the film on Synergy, and you can never really tell if he's joking because, you know, he's, he's obviously got a great sense of humor, but at the same time, that is 100% something that Rosilla would do is, like, have the Synergy account and breaking down film. So uh, we're going to have him on to talk about guys. He's going to teach us stuff. He's going to he's gonna tell me stuff about Zion Williamson. I don't know um, because I only watched every single look, game. Look, when you look at Zion, yeah. you got to go make him go right. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what we saw, make him go right. Uh, so we're going to talk to him. We're going to, uh, before we get to that, though, we're going to talk about the Juwan Howard situation at Michigan. Is it a done deal? Did, did, is he officially? Yes. I don't know. Are we sure? I don't know. Let's um, be honest. We recorded our last podcast right as that was happening. Yeah, was so fun. everything we said, just take it with the grain of salt. Uh, also, big news. We're recording this, as always, on Tuesday morning. Uh, RJ Hampton just made a huge announcement on mm-hmm. Get Up that he is the Hampton one. Yeah, yes. Not going to play college basketball. So we're going to talk about that. And is college basketball dead? We will give our thoughts. But first, Woody Durham. Hey, All right, as I said, it is Tuesday morning, as usual, uh, but this, this Tuesday morning's a little special take. We were coming off of Memorial Day weekend. On a scale from one to Kyle's typical trip to the dark room, how hungover are you? I am alive, and that is uh, something... Good yeah, that's good enough. It's a four-day weekend. We had summer Fridays. Uh, we had Memorial Day yesterday. I got to celebrate that with a little, you know, good, good group of people. Uh, and now I'm back, but you were... 
At the Indy 500. I was at the Indy 500. Let me just say, uh, this will be the last Indy 500 that we don't go to together. Uh, we, are, we are taking the podcast on the road next year. That is, um, as usual, whenever I go anywhere in public without you 2 I'm asked about you 2 uh, a million times. Mm. Everyone just says, but but here's what, I got to call out the people, Vinny, because here's what happened. So Vernon lets the cat out of the bag. Um, it was kind of already known that I live in LA now, mm-hmm. um, but I was kind of keeping it a secret. I, I wanted to maintain plausible deniability. That's what we do. That's what college basketball is all about. You you maintain the plausible deniability. Uh, and then Vernon just straight up asked me, do you live in LA now? And I kind of had to say, uh, yeah, I do. And I'm not, I don't love it. Um, I'd like, I like living here, but I don't love the idea of not living in the Midwest. So I go back for the Indy 500 because I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss that thing for, for the world. Um, it's, it's, I, I love it to death. It honestly gives me chills. I start crying when they sing back home again in Indiana. It's the greatest shit on earth. Um, but I'm walking around and all these people that that recognize me and listen to the pod, uh, they start calling me soft. They're like, Titus, you live in LA now. That's that's so soft. Like, do you, uh, do you want a shotgun a beer? I bet you don't because you're soft and you're LA now. And then it's like one guy, one guy comes up to me and goes, dude, you used to have a group of like 30 people. Because I've been coming every year, and I used to see you with like a group of like thirty people, and you guys were getting rowdy. What happened? You've become soft from LA, and I was like, "Bitch, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm the one here. My friends are the ones that aren't here anymore." Take takes a sip of your coconut water. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I'm I gotta. I want to defend myself. Like, I I flew in from LA. I go to the Indy 500. I'm still in turn three. I was still smashing beers, and these people were calling me soft, like LA shit. It's like if I was soft, I would be back in LA. I would be I would be sitting in the suites on pit row. Um, I don't know. So I, I got very angry. They triggered me very badly because I was like, no, this is the one thing that I will be soft 364 days of the year, but I will be in turn three infield at the Indy 500 every goddamn year. Speaking of being triggered, you you opened up the gates for all of the race fans to come after me. You're at the Indy 500. People are like, Titus is supporting Indiana. He's going back yeah. to the race. This is what you're supposed to do if you're in college basketball circles. Why are you not at the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. 600? Why are a- you not in Charlotte? And to that, I say... My family members were real bootleggers driving from <laughs> Iowa to North Carolina. We don't support NASCAR. You know what I mean? That's good. They commercialized bootlegging. Right. You know what I mean? And they exactly. took it away from us. So shout out to the bootleggers. That makes me happy that you don't like NASCAR. I my dad likes NASCAR because Jeff Gordon uh is, is from oh, is from Dale, Indiana. man. Dale for life. Dale I know. Life. Well, Jeff yeah. Gordon is from Indiana. He's from the high school. He went to high school where my dad like worked forever. Yes. And like they had I think that, we so, drove by it. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my dad loved Jeff Gordon. I used to watch NASCAR. But then you go to the Indy 500. And there's nothing like it. You got to come. Kyle, it's your people. Fun fact. I'm named after Kyle Petty. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. You got to come, though. This okay. is th- These are your people. Uh, Tate, you would actually like it, too. It would be a... Um, there's like an EDM concert I had a vision of an RV, the, though. I didn't want to like... Be in a hotel. I had a vision of like really. Oh, you want to you want to really rough it? Pit there, yeah. We could do it. Okay, we can make it work. I like it. I got connections, man. We'll we'll set this up. We're gonna do it next year. Kyle's gonna be in a tent in the infield, (laughs) hammered. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not my tent. Yes, it's it's, (laughs) can't wait. It's gonna be great. Uh, by the way, it was a great race. Simon Pagano wins. Uh, Alexander Rossi. Alexander Rossi had balls. I know you don't care. I know none of you guys care about this. But I'm just gonna say. Uh, it was a fantastic race. I, I watched the race in person. I go home. I watch it on delay that night. I rewatch it. That's how much I care about this race. It was a fucking awesome race for real. Um, so God bless everyone who had anything to do with the Indy 500. Uh, it was a great weekend. Great and God times. bless the Indy 500. And we're back, though. An American classic. We're back. We're talking college basketball. Uh, since we've been away, as you said, um, last podcast we did on Tuesday, we were, were joking about how there's a Providence student who broke the news that Ed Cooley was a done deal to Michigan. Uh, we were kind of tongue in cheek, like uh, that means he's definitely going. But but at the same time, there there were other legitimate reports that Ed Cooley was a candidate. Um, but it kind of came down as of last week's recording. It was Jawan Howard and Ed Cooley, and seemed to be one of those two guys. I was still 
nervous about the Billy Donovan thing, which by the way, I'm still nervous about the Billy Donovan thing. I don't know why. It's just, uh, I think it's just, I, I thought about it more and I feel like an idiot for saying that it was possible, but I, but at the same time I don't because Billy Donovan is going to coach college basketball again, I believe. And, and when he does, he's, he's only going to come back to like seven jobs, I think in college basketball. Like he's like, if Syracuse opens up, he's not going to Syracuse. It has to be like a certain job and mm-hmm. Michigan fit that description. And that was why I was shitting my pants. But at the end of the day, they land on Juwan Howard, which is a move that they kind of had to do, if you really think about it. Because as as we saw from Jay Williams to Jalen Rose to create like all these guys saying, if you do not hire Juwan Howard, there will be a mutiny. Mm-hmm. It has to happen. Uh, uh, John Beeline steps away from Michigan sort of late in the cycle, not really that late, but late enough for Michigan fans to kind of be up in arms about the whole thing. So uh, there was questions about like who the, the coaching carousel kind of stopped turning. Who could they get better anyway? So I feel like whether Juwan Howard is the long-term answer or he's just a stopgap for who eventually will be the long-term answer, um, that this was the move they had to make. It was for the culture. Mm-hmm. That was what it was, and it came down to that. And with Juwan Howard, that day, that Tuesday, he was supposed to schedule uh, an interview later in the day with Juwan Howard. And at that point in time, it was chaos in college basketball. We had just learned that John Beeline, you know, one of the bright lights in the game, was going to the NBA. So mm-hmm. everyone is saying college basketball is dead. So then Jawan Howard decides to leave the NBA and come to college basketball. Mm. And now college basketball now is NBA back. Is dead. Now, NBA the, is now the NBA <laughs> might be dead. So we don't NBA know where we are. I guess it's a good trade-off. It's a one-to-one at this mm. point. Um, Michael Wilbon, I saw him do this whole spiel about Jawan Howard deserves to get a chance to get this job. I mean, we've seen Clyde Drexler go to Houston. We've seen a bunch of guys go back to their alma maters. And, you know, Chris Mullins, probably the, you know, the five-year mm. example we just saw. And everyone seemed to be fine with that. He had some good Chris moments. Chris Mullen's not at St. John's anymore, by the way. I just wanted to remind everyone. Yes, that. exactly. <laughs> he ended his five-year deal, and then he said, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much what Wilbon was saying uh, with Jawan Howard. He's like, what, what's the problem with Jawan Howard being there for four or five years? He may not have a 12-year beeline run, but you know, it's good for the program. Yeah. You get the Fab Five ingratiated. And then I saw Jalen Rose came out officially and said, Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, the beef is over, folks. Mm-hmm. That's it's, awesome. It's officially over. The Fab Five will be at Michigan games. Has they Chris will... Weber said the beef is over? He has not. So that's, <laughs> that's the so, so that's what I. Uh, Chris Weber is the one who got fucked in the whole deal. Yeah. It was like they're all picking up the bag, and Chris Weber is the one that got shunned from the program. So I he was like, like <laughs> "Hold on a second, why am I the one that, that's, that's?" I like the fall to imagine Chris Weber it was watching Jalen Rose on ESPN say that, and he was like, "I have not talked to Jalen. <laughs> what is going on here?" Uh, but apparently, they're going to be at the games uh, supporting Jawan Howard. So that's exciting. You know, I mean, that is exciting. The yeah, Fab it's cool. Five they were ostracized when they first came to the game. People were like, "Who are these guys?" Who do they think they are? We don't like them. This isn't our game. We don't like the right. baggy shorts, even though the baggy shorts had already been there. Yeah. No, they invented, Illinois. No, no. Okay, that's they right. invented black socks, baggy <laughs> shorts, and the name and, and losing in the title game. <laughs> yes. So it's cool that they're back in college basketball and they're accepted. I guess is where we're at now yeah. with Jawan Howard going there. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, also, the the breakdown of whether this was a good hire or not is hysterical to me because. Let's just let's just call it like it is. Like no one has any idea if Jawan Howard is going to be a good head basketball coach, and I'm not saying that he's going to be bad. Uh, but you see the reactions to the hire. This is why I think it was the right move, and it was good because, uh, you know, as an Ohio State fan, this is, I kept bringing up the Billy Donovan thing and how I was nervous for as a fan of other Big Ten schools that Billy Donovan was going to come in and just wreck shit in the Big Ten. As an Ohio State fan, an IU fan, whatever, I'm not really that worried about Jawan Howard. But at the same time, if I was a Michigan fan, I would be very excited about Jawan Howard. So. Um, it really like no one has any idea. The guy doesn't have any head coaching experience, but at the same time, that doesn't mean he's an idiot and he's obviously well respected within NBA circles. Um, but then at the same time, like the only people that really would be able to speak to how good of a coach he would be 
are people who coach and played alongside him. And basically, like if you're a nice guy in coaching, everyone's going to say nice things about you. And it doesn't mean you're actually that good of a coach. So no one has any clue. And it's hilarious to watch people like try to, I think he's going to do this. And then people are like, well, if you look at it, guys who played in the NBA and had success uh, don't typically become great college basketball coaches. There's, there are very few instances of this. And then Virginia fans chirp, chirp in or like, uh, excuse me, Tony Bennett played in the NBA. I'm sorry. Is that not good enough for you? And then everyone's like, well, Tony Bennett, did he really play in the NBA? I mean, come on. Um, so watching these discussions is hilarious because the truth is no one has any idea how good Juwan Howard's actually going to be. And I'm not, I, I really am not even saying that in a loaded way. I'm just saying that in like a, I have no, I have no uh, opinion on this in, in that regard. He is exciting in the sense for recruiting. Like that's, that's a no brainer. Like you said, the fab five is back. He's got Chicago ties. Um, I think just having a guy who played in the NBA and, and, and also for his alma mater, that is huge. Like we were talking to Verno about that with, with Penny at Memphis that, um, it's, it's one thing to have Penny Hardaway as your coach at Memphis, but it's another thing that Penny Hardaway can say, I could have played anywhere and I chose here. And Juwan Howard can do that too, where he's like, I was good enough coming out of high school to play anywhere and I fell in love with Ann Arbor and this campus and all that. So I think that stuff will matter. But as we know with these guys, all these NBA guys that take over these jobs, college basketball is very, very, very different from the NBA. It is completely different. And my concern every time one of these guys gets hired like this is, we've talked about this before, Guy, when you're when you're this good at basketball, when you're growing up, your dream is never to play college. Your dream is to play in the NBA, and you always your eyes are always on the NBA. That's all you ever think about your entire life is like I want to be in the NBA. And for a lot of these guys, like college is just a necessary evil that they then go to college, they enjoy their experience, and they have that tie. But if you ask like fourteen year old Juwan Howard, like what is your goal in life? It was never like I want to play in Michigan. It was I want to play in the NBA, right? So when you get there and then you play there for a long time and then you're a coach there for a long time and your whole world is the NBA, the highest level of basketball. Um, I don't. I I I worry that not that he's not going to give his heart and soul to Michigan and not that he doesn't love Michigan, but um, that seems to be a consistent theme with these guys. And it's the same is true with like Patrick Ewing. Like I think Patrick Ewing loves Georgetown, cares a lot about Georgetown, wants to be a great ch- coach for Georgetown. But if you injected him a true serum and you're like, hey, you could be a, a head basketball, you could you could be the head coach of the Jazz tomorrow, would you take that? He's like, fuck yeah, I'd take that. You'd have to take a, a pay cut. He'd be like, fuck yeah, I'd take that. I want to be in the NBA. Um, so that's my that's my concern. But as you said, maybe Juwan Howard's only there for four years before taking an NBA job or something, and that's all they need, and, and it sets it up for the next guy. I don't and, know. And I was going to say, Patrick Ewing was a great example of someone that we didn't really know how much he was going to buy in. Because when you come to college basketball, you almost have to ingratiate yourself with the college basketball mm-hmm. grouping of people with all these coaches. You have to play the game a little bit. It's, it's not little, just X's and O's. Yes, there's a little bit of politics like, that go into it. Yeah. So it's like, how much do you want to be a part of that? Penny has basically said, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm doing it my own way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm about to drop some dimes out here and some bags as well. And everyone's like, okay, whatever. It's not as egregious as Stansberry, but it's somewhere <laughs> in the middle. You know right. what I mean? It's it's somewhere around there. And Drexler, when he went back to Houston, he was there. I think he resigned after a second year, but he basically came back and thought, I'm like you were saying, I'm Clyde Drexler. I'm great. Chris Mullen. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, like, what, that's what Mullen did. I thought like, this was all just going to work out. And I think Ewing has actually done a great job of, I mean, obviously, you know, recruiting has done well. Mac McClung, we know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also gotten guys that were in the program. He got them to stay and kind of grow. Like Jesse grew over time the last couple of years. Um, so I think you can go both ways of that, which one you're going to be. But I think Ewing is a, is actually a, a good example of someone that went back, bought into the community, mm-hmm. bought into Georgetown and was like, this is my program. This is what we're going to do. We're going to run it like this. I love this place. Whereas sometimes it's one foot in, one foot out the door. But I think Jawan Howard is saying all the right things. And one thing I want to ask you about, which is going to be really interesting, because Jawan Howard is really close with LeBron. 
Mm. Very, very close. Mm. And LeBron, as we know, has a locker at Ohio State, mm. the 23 locker. So if LeBron James is at Michigan games with the Fab Five supporting Juwan Howard, where, where does Ohio State go from there? Uh, <laughs> and also, if I, our boy Duncan Robinson, who yeah. played on the Miami Heat this year, yeah. is definitely going to be back at Michigan games. So yeah. Shout out, Duncan. So uh, I already did the LeBron rant like last year, didn't I? The the LeBron Ohio State rant that. Yeah. But I think this will this, be the the this final. Will be the death yeah, knell. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This will be yeah. the final. Like this is him. With Listen, the big I would love. I would love to time. have the relationship with Ohio State and LeBron. I've just. It's always just felt very, very fake and convenient for LeBron. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, you know, maybe he's earned that right because he's LeBron James. But uh, I've always said like, Ohio State is Ohio State as well. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like we we should have an ego. Like we Ohio State has an ego about ourselves too. Like we think we're better than everyone. Um. So why should we kowtow to this guy who basically like wants nothing to do with the basketball program until like <laughs> D'Angelo Russell comes along or like a Greg Oden comes along and then he's like, yes, I'm in now. But um, he's not tweeting about Jay Sean Tate. He's not tweeting about Andrew Dockett hitting half quarters against number one Michigan State. Like I'm not seeing the LeBron tweet about that. Uh, but he'll be on the sidelines of Ohio State football games because Ohio State's number one in the country or something. Um, it is very, very interesting, especially with the Duke connection. That that's the that's the real thing. Is like now everyone's talking what is going to happen with Bronny. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Bronny even going to go to college? Is the one and done rule going to be gone, or is he going to go to Duke? Is if if Coach K is still there, is he going to go to Michigan? Can can LeBron really let his son go to Michigan? Y- yes, I think LeBron <laughs> can let his son go to Michigan. Is the I think answer. he'd be all right with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, you're absolutely right. This is going to be fascinating to see how Ohio State handles this. And uh, Coach Holtman, call me. I will give you my advice on how to, how we handle LeBron this. is going to become the Drake of college basketball pretty soon. With Bar- with Bronny Jr.'s recruitment, you know, Bronny Jr. will be wearing Memphis sweatshirts at home. And then By the, way, know, the I'm next week fu- he's wearing a Duke sweatshirt. I'm making fun of LeBron for bandwagon jumping, and I'm literally wearing a Virginia hat right now <laughs> as we're recording this. <laughs> National champs. <laughs> National lacrosse <laughs> champs too, baby. That's, that's what, what I'm I, saying. That's why I threw it on. Yeah. yeah. 27. Yep. Yeah. Look at that. Guess who's first in the ACC? Duke. No, nah, North Carolina. Oh, wow. I, I, that's shocking. That 41. You would, uh, you would bring University that of National Champions. I thought, what? Dude, National Championships. Oh, very good. Nice. That's like UCLA claiming 130, whatever it is. <laughs> um, uh, when, I was at the, when I was in Charlottesville, by the way, for the, the basketball thing, um, uh, Carolyn Darney, our, our friend. That, yes, that yeah, yeah. Streaking the lawn. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, she was walking around the entire, the entire celebration. Like, we're going, but we're bar hopping, even at night, whatever. And she's a... Uh, all through the night, she's got her phone out plugged into like a portable charger because she's watching Virginia lacrosse. It was like a regular season game, and she's watching it. And I remember saying to her, you won the basketball national championship, so you don't have to care about this anymore. That was the whole point. That was why Kyle and Ty and DeAndre Hunter did all this for you, is, is they gave themselves so that Virginia people would never have to give a shit about lacrosse again. <laughs> and then she was like, no, I care. Like, our team is really—and she starts, like, spouting off all these stats. And I was like, who cares? And then they won the national championship, so I guess she got the last laugh. Congratulations guess, yeah. to the Wahoos. Yeah. They do it again. Back to back. I saw Cal Guy uh, tweeted Seven something. Seven-week title drought. Cal Guy Seven tweeted weeks. something before the game. I was like, you know, basically, there's no time for my bats yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, and then Ty Jerome took that one. It's like Kyle's guys. So it, it's wow. good It's good for everyone. So good for that. Good, good for them. Good for the lacrosse team. And uh, can we talk about a guy you mentioned growing up and not thinking about college and only thinking about the NBA? The mm-hmm. guy that is doing that right now. <laughs> yes. Just, we don't get up this morning, right? That's where that's the program he was on. Uh, RJ Hampton, who had basically got it down to the point where everyone thought he was going to go to Kansas or Memphis. Some people at one point thought he may go to Duke, but RJ Hampton. Texas Tech was in the Texas mix. Texas Tech too. was yeah. in the mix. He basically went on national TV and said, 
I don't care about college. Uh -huh. And if you think it's because I'm stupid, my mom has a master's degree. I can go back to college whenever I want to. If you think it's because I'm stupid, my mom is smart. So yeah. that means I'm <laughs> yes. <far. laughs> yes. And my bag mom said I should go to New Zealand. And in the words of Fight of the Concords, New Zealand, why not? And then he's going to go there and mm -hmm. play for the Breakers. And he's going to skip college The basketball. Breakers, uh, a team, minority owners are uh, friends of ours. Sean Marion, right? No, uh, Big Cat and PFT. Part of my take, guys. Did you, did you know this? I didn't. I maybe. Who knows? They're minority owners. Those guys apparently own like a, a small part of the team, which makes it just that much funnier because it does feel like I woke up, I saw the news. I thought it was a hoax. I thought like those guys were somehow uh, convincing everybody that, that they had signed him because there, there was a rumor like last week that they were going to sign Carmelo. Mm hmm. Carmelo Anthony. Yes. The yes, Carmelo yes, Anthony. Carmelo. The New Zealand Not Breakers. Not Lamelo Carmelo. Not, yeah. That was the rumor, and that is preposterous. Like, Carmelo didn't even want to be in Denver. Why would he <laughs> want to be in New Zealand, you know? Um, so, uh, uh, I thought that's what was going on here. It is not. Then I saw the video on Get Up where Jalen Rose is doing the, the drum roll on the table <laughs> for, for the kids. He's it's like, so Michigan! And, and Mike Greenberg's trying to set the stage. With all the talk, with all the talk <laughs> around college basketball, RJ, your decision. FBI. We're talking coaches Coach cheating. cheating. We're talking... <laughs> RJ, what so, do you think? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go to New Zealand. <laughs> uh, so now the conversation turns to this, Tate. Is college basketball dead? It was dead when John Beeline left, as you said. Then Jawan Howard comes to Michigan. College basketball is back. The NBA is dead. Uh, then RJ Hampton is now going to oh, New yes. Zealand. So we're back on college so basketball. So college basketball is yes. now dead. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, he's going to New Zealand. The Raptors are in the NBA Finals. So like his international basketball taking over yes uh is america is, is basketball in america dead that might be it we just might just all basketball in america might be dead um but that seems to be the conversation and college basketball media people are are quickly taking to twitter they very defensive people uh we have our tight little bubble that we live in where uh we we, we you know college basketball is what the ninth most popular sport in this country um we know that we don't mm -hmm. pretend it's not uh it's like the sixth or the ninth. But we're very, we're very defensive over that. Uh, and and anytime someone attacks our little baby, we have to get up in arms about it. And so everyone's chiming in, like, good for RJ Hampton. Mm -hmm. This might be good for him. But folks, this does nothing to change college basketball. College basketball will be just fine. Don't expect this to be a trend. And uh, we have to make sure we stay, state all that. And uh, so that this is me stating all that. <laughs> <laughs> Great job by you. Uh, I will say it is funny to me how much the you talked about college basketball, people defending college basketball. I think that it's changed in 10 years because I remember when Brandon Jennings basically was like, I'm going to sign with Under Armour. Yeah. And I'm going to go play elsewhere. I don't want to play in college basketball. And people were, were like, who is this kid? I, I'm not sure that he has his head on straight. And then when Moutier did it, it was sort of. It was like in between this range. And now mm -hmm. with RJ Hampton, people are like, great decision by a kid. You know, he's trying to, right. you know, trying to make profits on his skills at this point. Yeah. And then it's the last notice. But also this does nothing to affect college basketball. Right. And I also like the fact that he came out and was like, you know, I'm a pioneer in this game. You know, this is what, and again, like I just said, Brandon Jennings has done this. Moody has done this. Terrence Ferguson has done this. So we've seen this well, before. I will say part of the reason I uh, to, to defend the people that are defending college basketball. Well, it was an academic thing for some, for some yes. of these guys before, yes. This was not the academic thing. But part of the reason I think people are, are, are getting upset or, or being defensive about like, uh, this, this isn't really that big of a deal is that RJ Hampton does go on Twitter and just basically like trolls people who care about college basketball. Mm -hmm. And he tweets what B the big bag got him big mad mm -hmm. or something like that. Yes. I think that's what he said. Um, which is basically like 
all of you who thought I was going to your school now. Oh, are you mad now? Oh, are you mad that I that I'm a five star prospect and I said I was going to come to Kansas and now I'm not coming to Kansas? Oh, does that make you mad, Kansas <laughs> fans? Oh, oh, I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Kansas sorry. fans are like. Uh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes we. I kind of yeah, I kind of thought when you were tweeting photoshops of you in Kansas jerseys with eye emojis saying like what y'all think? Uh, Love Lawrence. Yeah, <laughs> new home. And, and you got me excited that like you were you basically said I want to play in Kansas and then you're like fuck y'all I'm going to New Zealand. Yes, that kind of upset me. Yes, I will admit. <laughs> it is a weird thing too because I think a lot of this. I mean, obviously people are happy for these guys now. They're gonna go make money because that's like the the way that change. Yeah, the times the, have changed. To, that's what you're supposed to say. Yeah. even if you may not necessarily believe it. You, you could a guy could publicly. come out right now and be like, I'm not gonna play college basketball. I'm going to live on the streets and sell crack and make a hundred grand a year. And people be like, good for the kid. Get paid. Get paid. Good for you. Yes. Good for you. Yes. Stick it to the NCAA. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's, so that's, that's where we're at. So that's the, where we're at yeah. with all this. And then if you got RJ Hampton going out there and basically rubbing, you know, people's noses in it and yeah. saying, <laughs> right. I, I don't, I, the only thing I would say is obviously your name is like Baisley, right? Who was committed yeah. to Syracuse and then he got a one million. Committed to Ohio State. Yeah. Committed Left everywhere. Ohio State, got that amount of fire because everyone was like, wow, if this kid's going to leave Ohio State, as Thad Mata lost his touch, as it turns out, he's just kind of a turd. Well, then the kid, <laughs> the kid goes a New Balance and gets a one million dollar internship yeah. last year, and then I guess it led to Kawhi Leonard going to the finals. So, I mean, congratulations to Baisley. What, what a great job by an intern! But we've seen this before, where that gets you notoriety, but it doesn't endear yourself to the college basketball fan at the next level. Where mm -hmm. as Moutier, like I, I've I've talked to Moutier a couple times this summer at an Under Armour event, and he was saying, you know, a lot of these guys, like PJ Tucker, is going to go back to Texas. Kevin Durant can go back to Texas in the offseason and get like this other hub of fans that will always love them, even if, no matter what, even if you play there for one year, like Romeo right. Langford. I'm in Indiana one year. These Indiana fans also, he's from Indiana, but we're going to pull for Romeo Langford. He's connected right. and tied to us. So a lot of these guys, you don't have that back lot of fans or whatever exactly. that are always going to be about you at some level. So not only do you not have that, but then you also rub it in their face. Right. Like you, you're doing, that's a, that's it's a, interesting. That's too, that's interesting strategy. Down. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because well, you still have to, you still have to have that fan. The, the fans want to like you and think you're, right. you know, not about yourself at some level. So there's, there's you're still go a human element to it. Yeah, exactly. So if, I don't understand the marketing behind it is what I would say for some of this. It's yeah. one thing to go do it. So you get your name out there. It's like, this guy's going to go do this. But to then say, Oh yeah, Kansas, take that. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't, oh, are you mad? You big <laughs> yeah, mad? Oh, huh? you big mad? Huh? What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think. Like, I don't. I don't think his mom, who had got her masters, was like. I think I hope, this is the best play. I hope. I hope. Uh, the dream for this podcast, uh, th this specific episode of this podcast, is that <laughs> R.J. Hampton takes the clip of us talking about him and puts, "Oh, you big mad? Oh, they mad? <laughs> oh, they mad? Mad? They mad? 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 Uh, no, it'll be interest uh, An interesting test case. Uh, because as as you pointed out a few times that these other guys that that f left college or, or bypassed college um, and and went overseas, including Brian Bowen, that's a name we haven't brought mm -hmm. up. He he, he had his own combine this year. he had his own reasons for uh, not going to college. He wanted to, but he couldn't. But the the point is, um, all these guys seem to have like some sort of of stink attached to them, like mm -hmm. whether it was uh, inel ineligibility academically, or or they were picking up the bag, or whatever is going, or they're just like turds who get kicked off of teams and no coach actually wants them or whatever. Um, so all these guys seem to have like some sort of stink, whether, whether it mattered, like the academic part was Brandon, the Brandon Jennings situation. I assume the NBA people don't care about it that much, but I don't know. At a certain point, if I'm an NBA scout, part of me is like, yeah, I don't really care that you couldn't get your grades in high school to get eligible for 
that doesn't really affect the NBA. But at the same time, if you can't get a, a C minus in like geometry class as a high school senior, like mm-hmm. what hope is there? For Find you to some run? better friends. Yeah. Like how yeah. the fuck am I going to trust you to run offense in the mm-hmm. playoffs? You know what I mean? Um, so all these guys kind of had that. And, and I'm curious to see RJ Hampton as of right now does not have that stink. Um, whether, you know, this whole rubbing it in the face, whatever, I'm not going to count that, but like, he doesn't have like the, he's not doing this because he, he has some sort of character flaw or because anything else he's doing it because he's choosing to. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that's um, um, accepted the sc- by yes. by the scouts because I do think that there is some part of that where like all these guys that come in and, you, and and if you're a scout I think it's just second nature to to look at the list of like guys at the combine it says like Keldon Johnson Kentucky and and, mm. and Nasir Little North Carolina and and you see all these like brand names and whatever and then you see this guy that just says New Zealand and I'm sure there's like some part of you that's like why the fuck is this guy in New Zealand right. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm making too much of that. I'm not saying it's not going to work out for him, but uh, it'll be interesting because, like, if he if he does go to New Zealand and, and he's drafted like third or second or something, then yeah, college basketball might be dead tape. Well, <laughs> it's, it's going to be one of those things too. You mentioned Brian Bowen, like at the combine. Every time they showed Brian Bowen, the first thing they they tell you is the Louisville story, yeah, and how he's repped. So every single time they show him, it's not about That's Brian I mean. Bowen playing basketball. And the same way with RJ now, where. Every single let's time be honest, he gets brought scouts, up, it's the breakers. Scouts aren't flying to New Zealand to watch him play. They're, they're, they might buy the package and yeah, they have like the they'll, they'll watch him, the, yeah. the, the, whatever. But they're not going to have the intimate relationship. And um, so it is going to be curious to see what happens. I'm not. I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. Whatever. I'm not. I'm not mad. Mad. I'm not big mad. Mm-hmm. I'm a. Uh, I'm, mad. Mad. I'm not mad. mad. I'm actually laughing. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually mad. laughing. I actually mm-hmm. think it's funny. I'm mm-hmm. not mad whatsoever. Uh, but no, to the point of college basketball, I, I whether college basketball is dying, in all seriousness, I just want to reiterate that um, college basketball will not die. It will mm-hmm. never die. In, in, in this, It will never die from talented guys choosing to not play in college basketball. I've said this a million times. You could take the top 500 recruits in the country, every single high school class, and send them somewhere else other than college basketball, and college basketball will be just fine. People will still go nuts. You'll still want to beat the shit out of Duke every time you, Carolina plays them. I mean, for God's sakes, maybe it's, I'm not even saying this because we have a college basketball podcast. I'm saying this because I'm from a part of the country in Indiana where uh, the Hoosiers in 2009 go 6-25 and with Tom Pritchard as their best player. A freshman Tom Pritchard was their best player, and they were still selling out games at Assembly Hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think of it like... They don't. No one cares. They care about the jersey. They care about like that's all they care about. They care about seeing the cream and crimson out there on Assembly Hall, the court of Assembly Hall. And that's it, all that matters. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, it doesn't matter. And I will say this: I think the thing that is intriguing is like a guy like David West, a guy that went to Xavier, a guy that has the Xavier X tattooed on his body. Mm-hmm. So he loves Xavier. Mm-hmm. He comes out today. Maybe and he's just a DMX fan. Yeah, it could Maybe be. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Starts barking. Uh, and then we basically, he tweets this thing like he should be able to play in the States and get paid. He shouldn't mm-hmm. have to go to New Zealand, which is another huge argument where these guys are having to go to foreign countries and basically learn to live in a totally different culture at the age of 18 and also be a professional all of a sudden. Go from high school to that. So David West, the guy that everyone's like, that's a college basketball guy. Look, he has Xavier tattooed on his body. He loves Xavier. He comes back and it's a big part of the program. He's saying they should be able to play in the States and not go to college. Which again, so then, so then, people that are the college basketball fan get triggered by that because they're like, "Oh, I thought you were one of us." You but know? he is. So where, so where do you stand? But he, but is. he is one of us exactly. because what he's saying, I'm going to speak for him. What he's saying is not the college should pay players. He's saying the NBA should let these guys get paid. This is the point that needs to be made a million times. Because so you're for saying some the reason, G League is dead? Yeah, the G League's dead. <laughs> Open up the G League. Yes. 
He does that, have that. That is true. He does have shocking, the option. Shocking turn. The kid could go to the G League. He could. He literally has the option to get paid. I in think America. we should do the read test with all these situations. And this is the Nas read test. If you have a G League contract and it's not worth three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, allegedly, then that should be what he would probably go for three hundred thousand dollars, maybe, right. to play in the G League. But what is it like one twenty five or something like that? I think you college, can get more in the black market, in the bag market than I that. think this is yeah, actually go good for college basketball because, as we said, he had Kansas and Memphis mm-hmm. were the two. Texas Tech was in there too, but we I, I think most people thought it was going to come down to Kansas or Memphis uh, this morning when he was making his decision. Two schools that people have made jokes about with uh, duffel bags. Maybe maybe you and I, you and I have made a certain comment here and there about whether these two schools might be participating in illicit recruiting activities. Um, that was the story no around idea. these guys. Are they cheating? Is Kansas cheating? Is Memphis cheating? Hmm. Is there any evidence to any of this? For a guy to now go play, to turn down whatever Memphis and Kansas were offering him to go play professionally, this is great for college basketball. Because now if you're a Memphis or Kansas fan, you're like, see, we're not paying guys. If we were, he'd be in Lawrence right now. Right? Oh, that's a good point. Great point, right, Kyle? So this is proof that they're not cheating. This is proof that Kansas and Memphis is not. This is proof that there's no cheating in college basketball <laughs> whatsoever. This is me tw- putting out my Seth Davis tweet when yes. Seth was like, "Oh, we had all of this." They're looking for a lot and they can't. They find can't anything. find it. Probably Are we cleaner sure? than we thought. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Folks, if we consider that maybe there's no cheating whatsoever going on, <laughs> I don't on. want to jump to conclusions, but this is a clean game. And the G We're League, back. the G League is dead. College basketball is back. Uh, one other note for RJ Hampton <laughs> that I thought was interesting. He said, this is the Donkic effect. He said, Luca is one of my favorite players to watch. I model my game after him. I love the way he reads the floor. And to that, I say, what are you doing, RJ? If Luca is your guy, you know where you got to go. EuroLeague. EuroLeague, baby. It's EuroLeague MVP all day. If RJ Hampton were to go to the EuroLeague, model his game after Luka Doncic, and then go to the NBA draft, mm-hmm. he's the number one pick, as we know. That's the formula. That go the win formula. EuroLeague MVP, <laughs> yep. come back be number one pick. As and if you're not... Everyone in front of you that is picked sucks. Sucks. This Forever. is a great point. No matter what. Here's, here's, no matter if they have double doubles, 21 and 10, dunking all over people. I have this theory. Matter. I have this theory of why he chose New Zealand. Um, that's the best league that outside of America, well, I guess the G League, but the G League's dead, as we said. The best league um, in the world, other than the NBA, that uh, speaks English, at a country that speaks English. Mm. That's my theory. I think he looked into the Euro League and was like, ah, fuck. They speak they speak Spanish in Spain? No, I don't know Spanish. I want to I want to speak English. <laughs> so he told his agent, just find the league. What's the best league? And the agent's like, Australia, New Zealand? Is there a league in Canada? I don't know. That's pretty much it. And he's like, cool, New Zealand. Let's get it done. <laughs> and it kind of I mean it works out. That's my theory. Yeah. And New Zealand's great. He'll zorb. You know what zorbing is, Kyle? You ever heard of zorbing? Mm-hmm. No, tell me now. You get in these big... Uh, it it's was like cheesing? Ru- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little like cheesing. Uh, they put you in a big uh, plastic ball, and you just roll down a hill, oh, and you like run the in the ball. Pit, yes, Jurassic exactly. Park shit. Yeah. Yeah. Zorbing. Jurassic Park shit. No, you don't run, but you get it. It's a yeah. big ball down a hill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings, too. Yeah, right? great video. Yeah. Oh, God. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Ryan Rosillo is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Combine. Um, all sorts of the prospects, guys he likes, guys he doesn't, and whatever the hell else comes up. Here is our interview with Ryan Rosillo. Sports. All right, joining us in studio is a, a friend, maybe a good friend. Depends on uh, how this, this summer league goes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> depends on how our experience is. It's always the second Vegas. time. Yeah. Yeah, the second first time, time around. Great, yeah. We had a great first time around. Uh, we'll see how the second time goes. Uh, our colleague, Ryan Rosillo, uh, who was in Chicago for the NBA Combine. How many in a row is this for you? I think it's nine. 
Nine? Well, nine in Chicago. But then I used to go to the ones in Orlando, which is one of my all-time great stats. No one can beat it. I've been to Disney World by myself seven times and never gone on any rides or any of the attractions. <laughs> Are you just there to watch people experience Disney? Oh, I've, I went to, I think, six NBA combines. And Some then, people get in trouble for doing yeah, that. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. No, because one year I actually went down. Somebody had to have canceled the ESPN. They were like, <laughs> we need you to go down to Disney World tomorrow and host this event with Joe Namath. I'm pretty sure Greeny, something happened with Greeny's schedule because there's no way they were going to pick me to be the first option. I can't even imagine how many people they called. So then they sent me down, and Disney World was awesome to me that time. They put me up in the Princess's Tower, which is in the harbor. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the first night I was there, I was like, ah, I'm not going to go out. It's like Tuesday. And then I go, well, you kind of have to walk around the boardwalk just to see what goes down here. And then like jelly rolls going off, dueling pianos. And then uh, there was like a, I don't know if you guys still are listening to the story, but there was a <laughs> ski-doo, like the ski-doo had, their, their corporate event was there. Oh. And those people, not just specific to ski-doo, but people that maybe don't get out a ton when they're at Disney World for their corporate retreat and it's like a Wednesday, they they treat it like yeah, they're spring turning break. 21 again. Yeah. It's fascinating. Just polo shirts and logos everywhere and yeah. people just raging to Pitbull. Just trying to find senior frogs. Right, right. So I went. That's the other time I went. But the other ones were for the combine. Because it used to be Moody Bible. It used to be old school Chicago. And then I don't know what happened. They ended up having it at the Milk Center. And you would just go over there and watch games all the time. And then there was nothing to do. So all the NBA front office guys hated it. Because yeah. they were just like, look, I'm at Disney World. So I would go... I would then like go out to dinner and sit by myself at Benihana. <laughs> and one year it was two newlywed couples that planned their honeymoon the same week. And like the five of us ate Benihana. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's it. Seven times the Disney World solo. Tough to beat. Um, what I guess this begs the <laughs> Is question. Is that why you wanted me on? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. This, we want this begs more the Disney question. World stories. Uh, why? Why do you go to the combine? Why, uh, like Tate and I, I, I feel like if there are two people that should be at the combine, for work, it's us. And you couldn't, I, I can't even imagine the circumstances that would have to happen for us to we would have fly to, be invited, yes. to Chicago to, to watch this shit. And you voluntarily go every single year. Yeah, Why? I pay. What? I pay. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay, well, when I first got into the business, um, the first year I had a job was like 02. And then it was 03 when I had a, a radio show in Boston it was just, you know, a smaller station and it worked out great because nobody, you know, like no one really cared what I was doing. And so I was trying to make more contacts. I just want to make more contacts. And I think, you know, subconsciously, I'd always rather work for a team than be in the media. So I talked to Chad Ford, my guy. I used to harass him because he, he was like the one guy writing about stuff that mm -hmm. no one had ever seen. And there'd be some other mythical creature from another country, you know, and you're just like, I can't like I couldn't read enough of it, right? So I started bugging him and he was really nice to me. And he goes, you know, if you really want to make contacts and you really want to learn more about this stuff and front office stuff, he's like, you should go down to Portsmouth, Virginia. So the PIT, the Portsmouth Invitational, okay. where, I mean, those games were, were not the best, but <laughs> it was unbelievable the access you had because nobody really was going. I mean, locals would go and, and Portsmouth was, a, was a, you know, a great host in the, in the high school gym and everything. So then it you know, look, and then I was doing the Orlando stuff, and then I actually anchored the Combine for five years. So uh, that was probably one of my favorite things that I've done. So it's really more about just 
trying to make more contacts and just being at the events and all that stuff. Because the basketball itself, like I would never say it's worthless. Like people can rip it and say this thing's so stupid. None of it. No, that's not true. But it's not. Yeah, it's not just about the games. It's yeah. not really there. It's just, you know, hanging out, meeting somebody. And every year I usually end up getting a couple more guys that, that I can talk to and run stuff by. And that's really, you know, I just don't want to make huge mistakes on some of this stuff. And that's that's why I do it. I saw an NBA exec came out or it was like a leak report. And he basically was saying that it was a waste of time for all these execs to be there. And it was good for the G League scouts, which is sort of what you're alluding to at some level where it's like we're trying to find these guys to put in G League spots. We kind of know who the top guys are anyway. You know, th- there's nothing that's going to really surprise us because we've seen these guys so many didn't, other times. Like, didn't Durant not being able to bench 185, shouldn't that have killed the combine? Like, we, you, you watch, because from my perspective, it's like you watch these guys in college all year. You have a pretty good idea. And then you say to yourself, but are we sure that they're actually good? Let's put them to some physical tests to prove that they're actually good. And then Durant's like, oh, so he doesn't, he's, he, he like, uh, Greg beat him in, like, the agility drills, too, Odin. Mm-hmm. So you go through the physical tests, and you're like, oh, so Durant actually isn't that fit, whatever. And then he becomes Kevin Durant. So it, it isn't that, shouldn't that have been, like, why do we even need to do any of this? I just think anybody that knows anything nonsense. about lifting weights should know that if you don't <laughs> lift weights, then you're going to be bad at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so it it's doesn't make yeah. at some right, level. Yeah. Right. When your arms are that long <laughs> and you've never had to bench press in your entire life. And then it's like, you know, he didn't care enough to get prepped for it because he's like, who cares? So I, I always think that stuff like the, the body will will kind of like if you start training and you start doing that kind of stuff and all of a sudden it'll unleash all the strength that you have. But why, in you. But yeah, like why? Why even do it, though? Because it doesn't that speak to like the fact that Kevin Durant doesn't care and no one cares. And um, I don't oh, know. We, we I'm not just the bench press, but this is true of like all the stuff, like the vertical jump of like if Zion actually jumped 39 inches instead of 44, is it like, oh, shit, maybe Zion should go third instead of first now? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, that, you watch you know like I mean? Kawhi's like shuttle drill. Like he looks yeah. like so disinterested going into it. And it's like, oh, well, he's now one of the greatest players. So what does that really even mean? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll just give you, I, I think. The, the simple answer could be like, yeah, whatever. I don't think that's that's entirely fair because I have sat there and like how when Kyle Kuzma was killing everybody, you yeah. go, mm-hmm. oh, huh. Like yeah. He looks really good. And then people can say after the fact, like, oh, everybody knew. Well, he still went in the 20s. So whatever mine had been made up about Kyle Kuzma's game. Kuzma was somebody at the Combine that was incredible. T.J. McConnell's one, mm-hmm. where there was this international kid. I don't even remember his name. Everybody was kind of excited to see him because nobody had really watched a lot. And T.J. McConnell, like, he couldn't bring the ball up on T.J. McConnell. Just say Giannis. It was Giannis. It was, yeah, make make know, the right? story better. Yeah, uh, T.J. McConnell killed Giannis. It was Heath Ledger. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Polinka was there. He you know, there, there are times where I, I'll look at somebody physically and you'll see it and go, oh, wait, like maybe this guy. Remember remember Chris Lofton of Tennessee mm-hmm. scored of a ton of points? Yeah. As soon as I saw him in one of these these draft camp things, you went, oh, he's really not very athletic. He's 6'1". He's and, just, yeah, yeah, he's not. So I do think that there's a little bit of value. There's more value than, like, if anybody just says, oh, the whole thing's stupid, it's dumb, it's just for the G League. Um, you know, some of the games are tough because the big guys – are at the mercy of the smaller guys usually. You know, I remember watching Derek White in it, and then I didn't think he looked that great because his game, like if you're a really smart player that knows mm-hmm. everything you're supposed to be mm-hmm. doing and you're playing with four guys that have run, they basically install one set for you to run, yeah. and everybody's running the same thing. So if you're if you're not a great athlete or, you, you know, you're, you're about understanding the game, you may not show up as much in that thing. But, mm-hmm. hey, look, no one, no one who's even going in the first round really is even – 
playing right. except for maybe a couple guys. How much of it is like guys and execs and trying to get there to talk to agents to try to figure out, you know, if, if there's trade possibilities, you know, because it, it kind of feels like a weird way to kind of wedge in some of these conversations for the summer for some of these teams to know who's going to go where, who is a free agent, meet people, meet agents, and then kind of get it like a backdoor way into some of these players. Well, the agent thing would be around the city, you know, yeah. where they'll say, all right, let's go to this hotel and you know, just hang out in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't want to do that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, a lot of guys that if you have, you know, if you're actually like a writer and you have to, like, I'm doing it just because I like the draft. Um, but the agent part, like, they're not in the gym. So that would be just everybody. It's kind of like one of those things. They're like, hey, then the NBA yearly schedule, we just know that everybody goes to Chicago for a couple of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Summer League is for us, where it's just a, it sounds like just a, a networking thing. And we don't, we're, yeah, I, we didn't even watch any of the summer league games last year. We were just there just to see people. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Did we? Yeah. Well, Kyle got kicked out. Kyle did get kicked uh, right out. Right in front of Mitch Kupchak for drinking a beer um, in the media section. You live and you learn. You let's, and you learn. Uh, Incredible. Let's talk about the actual guys. <laughs> what, let's, uh, let's break this down. Let's break down the draft, Tate. Um, Zion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um. So what? What is like the? What is the hubbub of the the draft? For me, I, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in with my the thing that I'm most fascinated about with this draft. So Zion's going one. John Morant's probably, definitely, certainly going to. Um. What What's interesting to me is there are two guys. One is Cam Reddish, who was at a time. What was it? December, January maybe even February, it was like, could the Duke guys all go top three? Mm-hmm. And now I feel like no one is talking about Cam Reddish whatsoever. I, I, I've not seen a single person like breaking down Cam Reddish. They're talking about all these other guys. And the other guy is uh, Romeo Langford, who was probably a top five pick going into the season. And now I saw him mocked at like 20th in some drafts. Um, that's, that's low. There's no way yeah. he's going to go that low. But if you like wanted to argue why he should go 20th, as a guy who watched him all year at IU and was cheering for him, and it was very frustrating at times. Like I would, I he should go higher than that, but like I don't know. I could see the perspective at least. There was a bunch of guys. I feel like at the end of the year, you, you know, instead of seeing an improvement, where look, Zion's a really easy one to rave about the whole time because he was that special. But you not only saw that, you saw improvement. You know, Embiid's yeah. one of my favorite guys going back because you saw this just hyper improvement where you're like, I can't believe he already understands this too much. Like two months later or two months earlier, he didn't even right. know he could do this. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, oh, no, 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 I got to understand everything. Now he's in the dream shake on the block. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Or just, I'll never forget like one time, like he got it in the post and he, he made sure the double came. Yeah. And then it wasn't like, oh, I'm doubled <laughs> and I'm going to pass out a double. It's like, no, no, I want you to come double me. And you're like, you didn't even know that was like a rule, uh-huh. like, whatever. So the Zion stuff got better and better for all the different reasons. I mean, other than his shooting, but you know, Cam. I mean, even RJ too. It got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing for Langford because when you when you watch him, I like that they play him off of what they like. They play him off the ball and have him kind of come back to it. But I don't know if that meant just because all the other stuff wasn't working. Yeah, you know he. In today's world of like a big combo guard, I think sometimes you'll look at the NBA and go, okay, well, he'll be great. And it's like, well, is he? Is he going to be a point guard who's just big? Or was he like a not great two guard? 
I have no idea. <laughs> this was the frustrating part. Um, I, I was going to say, like, you talked about those guys and the way they're perceived. I think it goes the other way with Culver and Hunter, who are also in that group of guys that will go, you know, between, like, the Hawks and the, the Knicks. They're going to take some sort of guard-forward hybrid-type player that can score for them. But Hunter, we saw, obviously, in the title game, was so great. And then he's kind of shot up. And then Culver is sort of the same thing. And then that's led to Reddish kind of falling down. But... When we project to the NBA, Reddish is probably, I mean, you just look at the wingspan and everything he has to offer. How do you talk yourself out of taking someone like Cam Reddish because that's the talent to take as opposed to someone like a player like Culver? You're like, and he's, he's younger, a, too. Yeah, yeah. So I, is also that. I, which is Younger is better. Because like the, the perception right now is that those guys will go ahead of Reddish, which I mm-hmm. think not usually what happens with the NBA, at least from what I've seen. No, because Reddish feels like especially um, if you're watching some of the workout stuff that's circulating around, you're like, oh... And I have that's, not. I've not watched the workout stuff, by the way. No, you so don't. You don't always want to. Yeah. I mean, but, it's yeah, not. But if you watch the games, he was somebody that completely disappeared. Yeah, lost in the shuffle. Oh yeah, right. And so, this is something that you guys have been on, and I think you've done a good job with. But did Kay get so locked into Zion that he just expected Zion to bail him out every single time? Mm-hmm. And where an RJ probably plays better in a more wide open game. Where, you know, look, it's probably going to be him three. I think it's kind of like a four-person draft and Darius Garland. I had a team tell me, don't say that out loud because you sound like an idiot. Because they think it's like one, two, and three. And, and the kid who played five games, not even <laughs> five games at Vandy, shouldn't be mentioned in that group of those guys. But that's all right. That's fine. Maybe I'll be wrong. But Reddish was even worse than Barrett at times. And, and both those guys are missing shots. Mm. And I don't know if it was their thing of like, okay, well, I have to find a way to just get a touch and get a shot up here. Because it didn't, and none of it ever felt like natural, unless it was in transition, it never felt like those guys were comfortable. So I don't want to beat up both of those guys, yeah. but just the numbers alone for RJ, the way he shot it, I think in March he was under 30%. I mean, do you realize his three-point numbers are worse than Zion's, RJ's? RJ's I mean, it's, oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's fractional. But I when I that. saw that, I went, wait a minute, that's... I mean, when you see a game that's eight for 30, I mean, that says right. a lot about a guy that's willing to take the shots, but maybe shouldn't be taking all these shots. And that was, it was, de- was. that was definitely Duke's problem was that all the Syracuse year. Syracuse game? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Eight for 30. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was Duke's problem all year. Yeah. It was the, it was the Zion show. RJ, th- that was definitely valid. And I think Reddish, but it, but it sort of worked for him because, like, there were times where Duke needed RJ Barrett to shoot 30 times, maybe not 30, but they needed him to be aggressive and just. Because it would work. There, there's so many times where, like the Louisville game, when they were coming back and RJ just put his head down and th- that became a transition game. Like they needed that because Zion is great at what he does. But if if you didn't have Reddish and, and, and Barrett out there during that Louisville game, they're not coming back to beat Louisville, right? Um, so there were times they needed that from RJ and there were times, obviously, they, they needed Zion to just be a, an eater of worlds. But Reddish, like, what what the hell did he do? Like, he didn't he didn't know where to fit in ever. He would just kind of like he would catch the ball. He's like, I, I haven't shot in five minutes. I guess I'll shoot this time. Um, and I felt really bad for him because I I really liked his game coming out of high school. The 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 stuff I saw of him. But um, I don't know. Let that be a cautionary tale. Don't always go to Duke. That's <laughs> but, what I say. But all those guys that you're talking about after, let's say it's the the three, and then it's the next group. It's it's really going to be a preference because it feels like they're all together, but. I mean, Hunter and Culver are very different players, mm-hmm. right? But they're and, they're the, they're they're being built as like the exact same. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like, big wings. Yeah, and you're like, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Hunter. I mean, the national title game, you could argue one against the other and just be like, why would you ever want Culver or Hunter? But I mean, I think that'd be a little ridiculous to just look at the one game. And Hunter was incredible mm-hmm. in that game. Oh, and he can play defense, and he can do these things. But there's times when you watch Culver attack where it was pretty clear. You'd be like, oh, all right, this guy 
this guy's the pro out of this whole group, but some of his decision-making, some of it's, you know, we can get a little enamored, like, oh, he's a wing, he's a long, athletic, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know if he's as quick. And sometimes when those guys, like when you screw up how quick or not quick they are, and then they don't make it, and three years later, you're like, what's going on? He's already on a mm-hmm. second team. It can be as simple as, can you just get by anybody? Because the ball's going to be in your hands the entire time, and that's the way he plays. Like, you could talk about multi-positional, but really Culver just wants the ball in his hands. And I like that he's aggressive, but I also see times where I'm like, what are you thinking right there? Mm-hmm. And that could just simply be a young player. But I'm a little worried about, you know, where where he's going to fit in. And that's where I think that group from like 5 to 10 or whatever, it could end up being 5 to 11 could end up being just preference. Right. Not that, yo, you have to take this guy fifth and this one has to go eighth. I don't. I don't know that there's a huge separation among teams talking about him. Do you feel like uh what about like Kobe White? Do you feel the I Kobe White for Tate being a Carolina guy, obviously new coming into the season, I was asking you about Nasir Little and you're like Nasir Little's out. Forget yeah, about there Nasir were, Little. I Kobe a, White is I the guy. I got a text in August from someone saying Nasir may transfer because Kobe White is basically just showing him up and everything and he's now worried about his own stock because he's like I can't have a guy be better than me that's also a freshman on the team. But then you realize Kobe White in that Texas game. Yeah, and then I mean, we go he's to a different level of score. We go to Thanksgiving. We go to the tournament in Thanksgiving in Vegas. We see him just playing out of his mind. Yeah, it it sort of felt points. like it was our little secret, even though it was on national television <laughs> and everyone's watching it. Like you and I were like, yes. we just discovered Kobe White. And even then, I was looking at mock drafts and he was first round, whatever. But it feels like the last month of the season, the, the, the last month of the year, and then e- even after the season, he just keeps continuing to climb. It's like if if they have the draft in August, he might go number one overall. Is what I feel about Kobe White. Is this? Is this something that um, I don't know is 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 felt around like at the combine? Like are people? I don't know. I don't. I, I I'm not like plugged in like you are. He feels so like top ten. From afar. Yeah, I don't, I'd be surprised if he's outside of the top ten. He measured six five, which was the weirdest thing because all year long they just kept talking about it, talking about it. And I mean, it's six three and a half with shoes, but this is something that you always have to remember that every single NBA height that you see is the combine height with shoes. It's just yeah. the way they do it. So everybody who's listed at like six seven is actually like six five and a half, six six mm-hmm. in yeah. the NBA. I know that sounds stupid and doesn't make any sense, but that's the way they but do you it. Play so, basketball in shoes, so. right? But Kobe's allowed. Yeah, but you wouldn't ever introduce <laughs> yourself as, "Hey, I'm six. Like if yeah. I'm six two or six one, I don't go. I don't get to tell people I'm six three, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or am I? Am I, I allowed know, to do that? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That. Game of do that on the. I just, I just, do it on your Bumble app. I just found <laughs> out. This is incredible. This is new. This is this is really exciting. Are you stuff. saying guys lie about their height? No, you're <laughs> saying that I could have been lying about it this whole time. Um, Kobe, I all right. Let's let's do the stuff that's awesome. Okay, he's aggressive, relentless, fast. Um, Great first step. Yeah, and. I don't mind his shot mechanics. I think he's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. But it felt like one speed all the time. But mm-hmm. that's perfect. I mean, it's exactly how you guys play, right? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes I, I'll watch a guy like Jimmer was all, one of my all-time favorites to watch in college to then think about him as, as a pro because I would watch Jimmer and go, well, no one's going to let you do this when you turn pro. Mm-hmm. Like you, You're going to have to adapt your game mm-hmm. dramatically. Like You're not going to be allowed to do this kind of stuff. And I'm not saying it's the exact same thing for Kobe White at all, but I wonder how an NBA team, is. are they just going to let him go wild the whole time as a, as a guy a year out of high school? Like That seems, I don't know, it seems a little far-fetched. Well, there's basically that fifth pick, right? That's where we're at, where it's like it's Garland or Kobe White. Jaws going to be the first point guard off the board, and then it's going to be who do you prefer – 
right. Garland or Kobe White. And Garland didn't do the measurables. There were five guys that didn't measure out, mm-hmm. which I think most people expect to be probably the top five. And well, if, what happens is like when the top guy doesn't want to do it, then the number two guy does. Yeah, it's a domino effect. Like, Zion says right, no, then RJ right. says no. Well, that's then, what we're yeah. hearing with the uh, what, should Zion sit out? And then it was like, well, if Zion's going to sit out. Why doesn't RJ sit out? And then when Zion and RJ Hampton was like, yeah. I am going to sit out. I'm going to go yeah. to New Zealand. <laughs> uh, and then so we get to this point with these two guys where it's like, do you believe in Garland going and being a better pro, or do you believe in what you've seen with Kobe White? Which I think is always the interesting part with all of the draft picks in general because it's like. What can I project versus what is reality and how do I take what I've seen and be able to wash it away? How do I how do mm-hmm. I see Cam Reddish and know he's third priority? So that's going to be different in the NBA yeah. and then try to translate that. And I think that fifth pick is interesting because it's basically, do I think Garland's going to be a superior athlete and a great elite player? Possibly. Or Kobe White, who I know is a proven scorer. Priscilla loves Garland. Yeah, you, you do really love that. I do. And I, I'm yeah, not very good at comps because I, I think guys are so different. And when you use a comp, and then it's like, okay, well, you're supposed to look exactly like the guy. But I, I mm-hmm. do think there's some Kyrie there. Oh, I've, I've heard the exact same thing. I, uh, one of Vanderbilt's coaches, I'm, I'm sourced, not to brag, but uh, I, I talked to him about I was like, what is going on with Garland? Why do people love him? Because we didn't watch him play really this year. He said, Kyrie. That's what he said. He's got Kyrie's handle. And I was like, you understand how absurd that sounds. Right, because Kyrie has the Kyrie's best, the best handle, handle in the NBA. He's like, yeah, he's, but he's basically the Kyrie. I don't know how else to describe him. I don't know, know any other comparison. The shot mechanics are awesome. I mean, the numbers are incredible. But you're right. He played four non-conference games. And then I think the last one was He wasn't was even Liberty. great in one of them. That I, was I, it the, the USC game? Yeah, yeah, the USC yeah. game. Yeah, he wasn't even great in that. But if you haven't watched him and you sit down and let me see here. That was Kent State where he played two minutes. Um, he went against Winthrop in his first game. He goes for 24. And then the USC game, he had 19. He wasn't terrible in that game, though. But I remember watching it going in. And then he had 33 against Liberty. Um, I know this is really exciting stuff. He had the bad <laughs> He had the bad Alcorn game. Um, when you watch it, okay, there's there's that thing of, okay, he's he's at another level of being able to drive and get past guys. His quickness, his handle, the whole compactness of, of his game. It's just, I don't know how you can watch it and not be completely blown away. And if he had played the whole season, I do think it's a four-person draft. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like comparing, you know, does this mean that Kyrie, and I'm not doing it because Kyrie didn't play a full season. I mean, that's stupid. It's just, how do you look I mean, as a guy? So what do they think? I mean, do they think he's pretty special? Because he's yeah. from there, too. He's he, from Nashville, he, right? He got their whole coaching staff fired. They went 0-18 because he got hurt, and then they didn't win an SEC game all year, and the whole staff got fired. So that's how good. <laughs> and and the coach I talked to, it's Diebler's brother. He's, mm-hmm. he's assistant at Ohio State now. He said that they really thought that they were going to, like, compete for the SEC title. And then he got hurt, and they were like, fuck. I, I think they expected to win one SEC game, but <laughs> <laughs> they did go 0-18 for a reason. Um, all right, uh, last thing, and then we'll 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 let you get out of here. Um, or we'll get out of here. We're in your space now. Uh, no, but I was, I mean. Who, like, who, you, you brought up, like, TJ McConnell earlier, guys like that. Who So who, like, showed out at the combat? Who's a guy that no one... I guess the, the the name that comes to mind. I don't. I, I didn't watch the combine. I tried to watch it. You didn't watch shit. any of it. No, I watched the one time I watched was uh, I wrote an wrote article. The about, article. Yeah. That's the first time I ever talked. To, I told you about this, <laughs> right? The first time I ever had any contact with Rosillo was when I was at Grandland. They made me watch the combine. I wrote an article just making fun of everybody, and, and he reached out. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, he's like finally, yeah, yeah finally. that's what I've been waiting for. 
We were like, I don't know, we're still going to be upset. And we're like, I thought he was just a big, dumb meathead, and he kind of still is, but uh, at least that 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 warmed me up to him. I was like, oh, okay, so you can make fun of himself a little bit. I like this. Um, <laughs> so I tried to watch. It's boring as shit, but uh, like the one name that comes jumps out to me that I could see, did, did he even participate? Jackson Hayes? Like, I want a guy like that. So who's a guy that like Or like Dewan Hernandez. That are watching well, college Jackson's basketball. Going, he's going to be a lottery pick. Okay, so he, so was, guys, he was there, but he wasn't playing. Let me, let me say it this way. Guys who, uh, if you watch college basketball, you're you, you might know their names, whatever, but you'd be, I, th- I think like most people who follow college basketball all year and don't like really a Cobb and Golly from the, Florida State. Yeah. They'd yeah. be surprised that Jackson Hayes is like one of the best players in this draft probably. Mm-hmm. So I, you're, you're asking I just make me the pick. No, no. I, I think what you're asking me though, is like to give you some perspective on, on guys that played and like, who did I like? All right. So, all right. You're ready for me to be embarrassed. I kind of watching him, even though I didn't like him in school this year, in Nebraska, as I liked Roby in the combine games. Okay. Yeah. That's not that surprising. Um, it's kind of surprising. I mean, like, what do you mean like him? <laughs> I guess. I was like, every time I kept watching him play, he did something I really liked. Yeah. And he's enormous. Yeah. But he's still like a perimeter guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he was just kind of like one guy that jumped out. Or is where you watch Taco fall and you go, yeah, probably not. <laughs> you know because yeah. you, you just see it and like that's that's like as much as everybody can again dump on the games when you're taking 40 something guys that were all good enough to even be brought to this yeah there's a it's different it's different to stand out in that game even as unorganized and minimal as it is and all the stuff that they're doing but then you watch taco fall run around with other like size or not like size with him but other guys and you go uh you know I don't yeah. really, I don't really, it may not be fair, but like somebody had, somebody had a quote from a GM saying, there's not many seven, seven guys that move like him. I'm like, wait, there's not many <laughs> seven, seven guys. You could have just stopped after guys. It's a great comparison. Right. Like where setup. are the, all the other seven, Most seven agile. guys? That's called plausible yeah. deniability. <laughs> that don't. <laughs> Find me another seven, seven guy that could do this. And I love the quote because I just loved it. The, the guy that got it was like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't. It doesn't really mean it. Like, I'm a big St. John's fan, so you watch Jamari Pons out there, and you go, well, he's not really standing out. Yeah. You know, he looks smaller. He looks slower. And he he's a guy that could fill it up in college. Right. So I'm, I know you guys are kind of laughing at me right now that I'm putting too much stock into these games, but there's just a little something about seeing some no, guy, like, it, like Waters at LSU, who I loved mm-hmm. in college. But all the stuff that he does, like making the right read and mm-hmm. playing this really smart brand of basketball, almost none of that shows up. In those combine games. Mm. And another guy that I, I saw came out, you talk about not being athletic and the way it was perceived. Dedrick Lawson, who was at Kansas, who, you know, was probably their best player for the most part of the year. He got killed for being, you know, they're like, the athleticism isn't there. This isn't what we expected from him because Dewan Hernandez, who didn't play at Miami, was basically killing him. And then sort of the same thing I saw with Ty Jerome. People were saying, you know, he's not as athletic as we expected him to be. But if you but watch why Ty you Jerome, why, why would you yeah. expect him to be athletic? I don't, I don't, I mean, not to say he's not this athletic. This is what I'm saying, though, about earlier about like, why do we even have the combine? Because then you, you, you watch Ty Jerome. He's, yeah. out, he plays out of his mind, mm-hmm. carries Virginia to the title. They don't win the title without him. I guess carries is a strong word. Uh, obviously, a great player. You get to the combine and then he's not athletic, and suddenly you're like, hmm, are we sure? It's so, like well, you knew this all along. Like, yeah, why I mean, even? You're right. You're right. Because if you watch him, this? but that's his game. Like, that's his kind of. He's like one of those guys that like attacks you with great angles and and mm-hmm. just smart with his dribble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those, spacing. Those, it's like Brogdon right, almost. The passes to Hunter. Like Jerome already knew he was doing <laughs> yeah. that. And I don't know there's a lot of college kids that would have read that as well as he did. And yeah, for 
for him not to look athletic, um, that that would only match everything that you've yeah, seen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What about uh, what about Kyle Guy? Is he getting drafted? Do we even care? Do you care? I mean, we care. I meant <laughs> we, we care. I, just, I love saying, do you care? <laughs> that he admitted how nervous he was, and it didn't look like he was nervous whatsoever when he hit those. Oh yeah, free throws. He was yeah. like, yeah, I was so nervous. Like what? You didn't look nervous at all. He's awesome. But I think he's probably going to have to be nervous in draft night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you had to pick one guy to be the 60th pick in the draft, uh, I'm going to go with Makai Mason out of Baylor. But if you had one guy that would be the last pick of the draft, uh, oh. who do you have, Rosillo? I don't have my, my that, 60th. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. the Isaiah Thomas. You know, the, you know, everyone remembers that. What is the post-draft free agent market looking like? In your <laughs> who's, who's the first guy signed <laughs> after the draft? Top 10 drafting stash. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, what, what else we got? That's it. That's pretty much it. We just got a little taste of, uh, of what's going on at the Combine. We're um, excited for Summer League. Yeah. Summer League's going to be great. It's a summer. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I have this. I have this, and then we'll, we will we will be done. What about Kyle? What uh? Where, where do we stand with Kyle? Yeah, are you gonna steal Kyle away from us, or we're gonna lose Kyle? How do you feel point? about uh, Kyle? So Kyle is he produces our podcast, Bills Pod, and yours. He has a tattoo of ours. We know that he's loyal to Bill because Bill pays him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does laugh the most at your podcast. So I wonder what the rankings are. Kyle, what are the I'd rankings say we're of the podcast up here you love? Pretty high most? on one shiny podcast too. I'm okay. always. Yeah, it's, you can't do this to me. Come so on, I got all Bill, three You're saying Bill's in third. That's what you're saying. That's Damn. what you just See, said. See, I knew that was going to come out. <laughs> I don't think Bill should be third, Kyle. I don't think he should be third. That was the wrong answer. I think these are your guys. You you have their ink on you. And socially, you know, although when we were hanging out not that long ago when Titus and I were taping with with part of my tape, you guys left. What happened? It's like two hours. You guys taped for two hours and Kyle and I drank. And Jim, our other producer, we drank all the beers in the back, and then we left and went to a bar. Shay J. You went to Shay J? Yeah, of yeah. course. Well, the thing was, it's like, what looks worse? If we're still here, yes. and they come out two hours yes. later? Yes, that, that was the, that was the conversation we had. Point. We waited that two hours for these assholes to record, <laughs> and we're still point. sitting out back by ourselves. We're the assholes. Yeah, yeah. we're the assholes now. Oh, uh, that is a good point. Yeah. You know what? You just, everything I... <laughs> I change all of my thoughts on what happened because when we were done, we're like, oh, where do those guys go? I wanted to say hello. And now that you've explained your side of it... Mm-hmm. You did the right thing. He told us it was a party, in, in all in all fairness. Yes, it was. It, was a it was a podcast. It was a podcast. You told him it was going to be a party. I was told it was going to be a party. First, then, it was a dinner. Then it was a party. When we walked up and it was super quiet, we we knew it was not a party. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a party. <laughs> it was not a party. <laughs> that um, podcast. I looked at my watch during it, and they, like they two and a half hours. <laughs> I think get, they get upset. Yeah, <laughs> two and a half hours. You're like, oh, Rosilla looked at his watch. I go, yeah, because I want to know what time it is. I gotta get out of here. Sorry. Speaking of which, we will we will get the hell out of here. Thank you for doing this. We will, of course. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll do it again Vegas. near the draft or something. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Yeah, sounds good. See you.